from what's on to what matters. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. Welcome back to the program. You are with Tracy Mack. When you have a look at uh, some of the comments that have been made on the Newcastle Live uh, website, in particular by our managing editor, Dan Beasley, around uh, the fact that we can have Elton John play at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium, but uh, we can't have bands playing at bowling clubs. It really is a very uh, very strong debate. There is uh, is very much uh, strong opinions on both sides and it is my pleasure to welcome them both to the program this morning. Good morning, Dan Beasley. Good morning. And good morning, Kelly Lofberg from Ara Consulting. Hi, Trace. How Hi, are Dan. you? Hello. <laughs> So how how are you both? Have you got the gloves ready? Because well, you know that's what I've that's what I've promoted this as. You kind of pitched this as a you know a bit of a <laughs> confrontational conversation. I, I'm hoping uh, this is a solution based conversation. I don't know about Kelly. Well, I hope absolutely. That is- I feel like I'm being set up for something, but I'm used to dealing with <laughs> complex and difficult conversations. So I think that's if great. we work together, we can come up with a plan. And look, I think that is exactly exactly where we need to be because uh, we do have one bowling club in particular that has uh, you know it's live music has saved it hasn't it Dan and it saved a lot of bowling clubs around the region and uh, to see it die and to see it go away it really does uh, it does mean the death of some of these bowling clubs yeah it's not only provided uh, an income stream for the bowling clubs it's also provided an income stream for the musicians that um, are playing at these events that the bowling clubs have set up what is uh, what's your thoughts on this, Kelly? Well, don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with the sentiment. Um, I, I'm not against live venues, um, and in fact, I've worked with plenty of publicans over the even in recent times to have um, their license conditions changed so they they can have um, uh, extended hours and live music. Um, so, and I can talk you through a couple of examples. Mm. Yeah, that would be I've great. Got, Please do. Um, the, the difference is, and it was, it's not the right to complain, it's the right to be consulted. So um, if you're living in an area that doesn't currently have outdoor music, you're not being impacted by noise um, at the moment, and a club wants to um, introduce that noise, people have the right to be consulted and part of the conversation. So that's, that's the clear difference. Mm. Um, and um, the other thing is, building trust. So I've worked with publicans that have extraordinary relationships with their community. So the Stag and Hunter is a great live venue um, and they're loved by the community. So when we did that work, we did a um, community impact statement and consultation, it was clear they've built a relationship with their neighbours and with the people around them. So even though there was going to be more of an impact, um, more noise, uh, the community went along with that because they've done the hard work and built that trust with their neighbours. I've worked with other publicans mm-hmm. that are the exact opposite, that don't care, that are really combative and um, a complainant is a problem. Um, it just means that they haven't uh, taken the time to build the trust with the people around them and have that relationship. You can't expect to turn up and say, hey, we're going to change our... Um, the events that we're having, and you're going to get a lot more noise, and be and expect your neighbours to be okay with that. You've got to build that over time and have a really good ongoing relationship with people. So that's the idea. Not just a one point in time consultation. It is a, an ongoing relationship with the community, 
um, that's really critical um, to support the, the the clubs and and the change that they need, um, like they're doing at Adamstown. I mean, Stockton here does the same thing. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, I think it's a really good point you make. Uh, it's you know. Uh, the clubs, you know, bowling clubs in particular and venues like the Stag are, be, are cornerstones of the communities that they're a part of. Um, and it's through, you know, that consultation and and their exposure to the venue and, the and you know, the community outreach that those venues do that really do make them a cornerstone. I, I suppose where I where I drift away from that, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Kelly, I, I think this is a regulatory problem, you know. I, I think that, as I said in my op-ed on the side, I think it's really time that we look at new regulations around venues and whether that be that you know, all venues are covered under one regulation that allows them to provide uh, entertainment of all sorts, um, you know, within a framework. You know, that's one thing. I know in Victoria, agent of change laws have, you know, have have been very successful as, as you know, in the Valley, in Brisbane, you know, as special entertainment precinct um, status for, you know, uh, venues. Um, has been very successful in mitigating these issues, and I and I hear you. I, you know, I, I know from reading a, a lot of other media on this that, you know, that there was a change. That there wasn't, um, you know, live music happening out in, in on the greens of you know bowling clubs around the suburbs. But I suppose where I wanted to drill down on that is is that you know we find ourselves in a very difficult position you know during the pandemic where you know even venues that are hosting music indoors you know are struggling they're spending thousands of dollars if not millions on double glazing you know mm-hmm. established venues that have been hosting live music for years and years and years to mitigate noise well, we know that we've got issues at the last the last had to close their uh, was it the last that had to close their outdoor garden yeah well they had to they had to change the way they were doing things that's for sure and you know this has been a venue that's hosted live music you know for as long as i can remember and you know but I'm, new owners new owners so I, I've worked with the last before and um, the previous publicans were very much part of the community um, and worked with their neighbours you'd see them going around thirsting on a Sunday morning to make sure the streets were clean um, after a big night the night before it, it really comes down to that level of trust mm. and the relationship that those venues have with the community around them now don't get me wrong you're going to get vexatious complaints um, but what you're trying to do is make sure, um, and, and even looking through like your, your op-ed and the agent of change, there is a process to go through, and those processes um, show uh, publicans and the community what needs to be established before these things can happen. I suppose, um, I suppose though, sorry to cut you off, I suppose where I differ from, because I agree with you, but I, I suppose we find ourselves in an in interesting time in the same way that food trucks were given, you know, sort of blind eye mm. during the pandemic to be able to operate in suburban streets because, you know, they found themselves without a way to provide an income. The same can be said for these bowling clubs and, and the musicians that are playing at them. And I just think during this time 
in particular. I mean, these bowling clubs are giving people a safer space outdoors to be able to enjoy live music, you know, not crammed into one room. Um, and they're also giving musicians who wouldn't have a gig now a chance to play. And I, I just sort of think, look, I, while I agree with you, I think particularly at this point in time, surely we need support to be able to continue that sort of thing. So the bowling club can still, you know, these bowling clubs and venues can still, you know, generate an income to be able to be that cornerstone of the community and musicians are able to continue on their careers. And as I said, I agree. And I think, you know, regulatory, we need to look at, you know, these changes. But I still think just at this point in time, you know, surely there can be some leeway for, you know, both the venue and the artists and the residents, as I said, in the same way that food trucks have been able to operate in residential areas. You're with Tracy Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. We're having the debate, residents versus uh, live music venues. I'm speaking with Dan Beasley, the managing editor of NewcastleLive.com.au and uh, Kelly Lofberg, who is uh, a community consultation uh, expert for uh, Mara Consulting. Guys, the other question that I, w- I want to bring to you, and uh, it was one that I also brought up with Lisa yesterday, um, and you were listening, Kelly, so you, you heard this, is when people move into areas. Now, we know that Newcastle, the CBD is changing. There are apartments going up left, right and centre. When you move into an area such as, you know, Market Town is a perfect example of that. Market Town has uh, these two big apartment complex, uh, one of which is is two ginormous towers, the other two sit above Market Town. Now, there was outcry when all of these residents first moved in about the King Street Hotel. Now, the King Street Hotel, or, you know, whatever you want to call it before that, it's been there for a long, long time. Where, Kelly, do the residents, how do the residents have so much say in shutting down this stuff when it's been there, ad, you know, it's been there for life in memoriam? Who has the right there? Is it the resident or is it the, the venue that's been there for a long, long time? So there's a couple of things, and I'll always come back to that um, level of trust. And I'm not speaking on behalf of residents. Again, no, I'm, absolutely I'm not. not. I, I'm... I'm usually the impartial person that has to look at all the um, evidence and then present a case, okay? Um, so there's two, two issues, I think. What Dan was talking about before, um, in terms, we're in really unusual times. This is the perfect time to trial something. You're absolutely right. Just let people know before you do it. So make sure they're on the journey with you. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference I'm saying. PR 101. Um, Exactly, and it's it's good community consultation, um, and it's about developing that relationship with your neighbours because you want to build that trust. And I think that's the other thing. So inner cities a bit more problematic. Um, you know what it's like, Trace. We used to go out when we were young and silly, and um, <laughs> it's 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 that is noisy. Um, it's hard to protect um, against the lowest common denominator and mm-hmm. bad behaviour. Um, people should. Um, expect moving, I think personally, if they're moving into an area where there are live venues and, and um, licensed establishments, you've got to expect that. Um, however, you've got to make sure, and this is in my experience working with a range of publicans, I've seen both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. I've given one a good example um, the, and the last in the day, that was another good example, but I've also seen the other side of the coin where those venues aren't necessarily doing the wrong, uh, right thing. Um, and, uh, and and when I'm not talking about this particular one, mm. but they haven't taken the time to 
make themselves part of the community. So you shouldn't persecute people that do complain um, necessarily. It's an opportunity to build that relationship and that trust. So it's really complex when you're living in an inner city. Um, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't live in an inner city area because I, I don't want that urban noise environment. Um, that's my choice. So I get where you're coming from, Trace. Mm. Um, I do think, though, that some venues take the easy option, which is usually the way um, that complaints and more issues come up. Do you think, Kelly, that government has, whether, you know, local or state, has a role to play there in mediation of, of that dialogue between venues and and residents in the same way that obviously there has been some sort of, you know, mediation, you know, you know between the stadium and government and, you know, the Elton John show that's coming to town and the residents that live only a hundred, you know, a couple of hundred metres away from that. Obviously, there has been some sort of support or, or free tickets <laughs> or uh, I'm not I'm trying I, not I to be sarcastic <laughs> I, I am I, I'm trying or cynical I, I'm sort of I just feel like you know surely if you know a big headline act can come to town play Sunday Tuesday night you know in a stadium that hasn't hosted live music in like 35 years or something you know across the road from a residential area obviously there has been some support Support from some form of government to make that happen. Do you think that they should play a role in that discourse between venues and and residents? Well, I wouldn't even call it mediation. It's just a, it, it's a dialogue, and anyone can do that. So, it, government has a seat at the table. Local government, in particular, mm. um, for local venues. But why can't the industry or a, a, a group of people come together if they're passionate about it? and put a plan together. That's all it takes. It takes one passionate person um, to start the conversation and go and consult and see what people think. And if you're presenting, um, you know, I've worked on some of the noisiest projects around town, um, and not just in live venue, but... You I was know, going to say, can, something that went through the city of the, uh, the centre of the city, you, uh, you uh, had that job of as well. Absolutely. And if you remember, I worked on the truncation of the rail line and the construction. Now, we had 24-7... Um, construction and really, really noisy streets down there near the Lass and um, in Station Street. We had machines operating that were at 80, 90 decibels um, for three days straight. Not one complaint. And the difference is I went and met with every single resident and said, look, guys, it's going to be really, really noisy. How about we we put you up in an alternative accommodation because it was, you know, we were taking away their sleep. Or I offered them movie tickets and Every single person agreed to um, for that work to go ahead. I suppose and the I venues just, don't have the to, venues don't have the budget to be able to do that, though. <laughs> it doesn't take much. It's not rocket science. It, it's a little bit of um, I, I, conversation with you. I, t- I totally get that. I suppose my issue, you know, when comparing, as I have done, and merely I've done it in a cynical way because it's a good way to get eyeballs on the issue, but I still I still think there's some truth in it. I don't think, you know, Elton himself or his promoters have had any dialogue with the residents, so surely, you know... No, but someone wanted him to come here. That's mm. that's right. And and so why don't, why don't local venues who are servicing the community day after day, week after week, get the same assistance? is kind of where I'm coming from. Mm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there's some passionate people within council. Um, 100%. Duncan, 100%. 100%. You know? 100%. So 
change change the conversation. Don't leave it to a complaint. Start it early and say, this is how we can actually make this community more vibrant and a place that people want to be. Agreed. Start with that. I suppose at the moment, though, it's just, you know, it's, it's things are... No one predicted that this was going to happen, so I think people are running down the road, you know, at 100 miles an hour trying to make things happen to stay, you know, afloat. Yep, and I agree. And it's usually people that aren't experienced in in community consultation, but always start with, if you're going to make a change, who's going to be impacted? And if, if people will experience live music in this particular case, in different ways. Some will love it and some will go, well, actually, I'm a shift worker and now I can't get to sleep. Yeah. So if you, if you know that ahead of time, you know how to deal with it and, and I suppose, have that conversation. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, I suppose that uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander rather than making, you know, sort of official complaints. Maybe, you know, if people can enter into a dialogue with venue owners and management, then, you know, the residents themselves in the same way that, you know, we're kind of talking about venues reaching out to residents rather than just, you know, making complaints straight away. That's right. And, I mean, some people are a bit scared to talk to... Um, directly to the venues um, because, you know, we all come from life with different lived experiences. Um, so you don't know, they might not feel comfortable. So going to someone that's, um, you know, a bit impartial is a little bit easier for people. So just like I think the example you gave, someone went out and, and letterboxed, um, I read in the paper, letterboxed the whole community make complaints. There's not... No one's stopping the other side saying, hey, actually, we want you to be part of this and let's sit down and have a chat about what we're planning to help us continue surviving and presenting, you know, live and, um, music and entertainment that's yeah. good for the whole community. And I suppose just that's where it gets back the to... the conversation. I agree. I, I just think, you know, if we, if, if it was regulated that venues have the right to, to, to host live music, you know, no matter what venue... I, I think then people are fully aware then when they move in. I mean, if I moved next door to a bowling club, I personally would just assume that there was going mm. to be some live music at some point in time. But if it was, you know, regulated that they could have live music there, then, you know, hopefully that would, you know, provide mm. a better framework for people to understand as when they do move in next to mm. venues like this. And if they do just go straight to that regulation, I think that's going to open an even bigger hornet's nest. Um, if the government go over and ab- over the top of this. Um, but you and I have spoken many times about these event precincts. Now, there's one down in, in Newtown. We've yep. got one where the Enmore is. Um, they're happening out at Lake Macquarie. Yep. Um, you're a very strong believer in these uh, entertainment uh, precincts and that they, they are under different laws and different regulations to other people. Where are we at with Newcastle becoming one? Well, the the New South Wales government are trialling them. That's why it happened in Wanji, Wanji of all places. Oh, but I that's know. that's yeah. where it happened. <laughs> um, they're trialling them, and now I would imagine that they're looking at all the data. Uh, and uh, look, it's government, so goodness mm. knows how long yeah. that will take to get an outcome from that. But as from what I understand from you know the local venues and and their talk with the residents around them, that the the trial went really well in Wanji, Wanji. I really do think that that those sort 
sort of, you know, um, special entertainment precincts are great for inner city uh, conglomerates of venues. Mm-hmm. So we've got venues within a small geographic space. Where I think we need bigger regulatory change is for those quote-unquote suburban or outlying venues mm-hmm. where they still need to be covered somehow that, you know, if they want to do something, you know, th- those bowling greens often are going unused, yeah. you know. It's a big patch of real estate and if we want to see these bowling clubs continue and support the local community in whatever way, whether it be given to sporting clubs or helping out the nippers or, you know, uh, hosting, you know, um, up-and-coming acts or whatever they decide to do, they should be covered under some regulation Mm. um, to be able to do that. And I think that while I think – I don't think it's a one-shoe-fits-all kind of solution, Mm. you know. I think there needs to be – I'm a big believer in a special entertainment precinct in the Newcastle CBD, but I also think there needs to be regulatory change for all venues that they can at any time be able to, you know, within a framework, be able to host entertainment. Mm. I mean, that's what they're there for. If they're not there for that, then they're there just to suck our money in Mm. poker machines and and serve alcohol. And I think that, I think if you talk to any public and they would see, or, you know, a club manager, they would see their venue as more than just that, and rightly so. Mm. Let's... uh, I think in, in that situation, I think if you look at any of those precincts or any of those regulatory environments, there would be a byline that says, consult or communicate with the people around you. Yeah. That's the bit that's missing, but, I think. But should you need to consult if you've been doing it, you know, for forever? Well, give people a heads up. If it's something different, if you haven't had an event outside for six months, do a letterbox job and say, hey, we're going to do an outdoor venues." Throughout spring, these are the dates. I yeah, totally agree. Yeah. But, but, but then yeah, yeah. why are then inner city venues then having to, you know, they've been hosting live music and then now they're spending money on double glazing, which then passes down on drink prices, passes down on paying bands less, you know, there's, there's a flow on effect from that, you know, but they've been hosting them forever, but now they're double glazing. Like I, that's where I sort of, I'm like, well, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but then, then I see things like that and I'm like, so it doesn't kind of matter. Because there, there are standards for, for noise across the whole, not just like music. And some of these buildings are old and need to be retrofitted. So, um, I mean, that's in general. Uh, mm. But don't you want to be a good corporate citizen, be a good neighbour? <laughs> Absolutely. I just think, you know, if I've been hosting bands Friday and Saturday nights for the last 40 years, now I've got a double glaze. Why? Mm. Yeah, and I can understand that. Well, listen, guys, we we are going to have to wind it up because uh, I do have to go to news uh, at, oh, at see, midday. It was nice. We, uh, I think Kelly and I could be friends after that, I surely. I can absolutely be friends. I don't know that we've uh, solved anything other than we know that we need to recommend to uh, to our, our neighbours and our pubs that, you know, they, they go out and talk to their their neighbours. I think that's uh, that's 101. That's, you know, yep. that's the basic. And, and one, you know, you are a venue. You have, you have facilities. You have the rooms. Bring your neighbours in. Give them a... Give them a shandy and uh, and say <laughs> hi and and meet each other. It's uh, it's really that simple. Thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. I think this is an argument and a debate that is going to go on for quite a little while yet until we solve it. But we do need to start the conversations, and someone needs to start moving with it. So thank you so much to both of you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Dan Beasley from Newcastle Live and Kelly Lofberg, who is from Mara Consulting. And, uh, yes, we've been talking about venues.
versus the residents. Newcastle in the Morning covers the big stories that matter the most to you. The local issues often neglected. Tracy Mack's plain talking, no nonsense approach will get your morning off right. Talking news, sport, entertainment, music, lifestyle and more. Covering what you need to know and even some of the stuff you didn't. It's Tracy Mack with Newcastle in the Morning. Weekdays from 9 to midday, only on Newcastle Live.